Welcome to Rethinking Leadership, where we're serving fresh ideas over coffee, because nothing happens before coffee. I'm Jackie Lesser. And I'm Dee Yarrison. Grab your favorite mug and let us fill you up. Hi, Jackie. Good morning, Dee. <laughs> so happy to be here with yeah, you. Yeah, likewise. At Call the me. Enterprise Center right. in Philadelphia, recording in a live studio today. So very excited about that. Yeah, great. And I love our conversation. I love it already. It hasn't even occurred yet. But I love the topic we're talking about today, which is, um, and over the next couple of episodes, we're going to be getting into navigating change. Because I think that's something that maybe one or two people out there are doing right now, navigating change. Right. Yeah. So today's conversation will be around what makes change so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. More of the kind of nuts and bolts of what's happening within me physically and neurologically in my brain when I am faced with, hey, Dee, tomorrow we're going to be, you know, changing the way you've done this for the last two years. Or, hey, we're introducing a new vendor and we're no longer going to be working with so-and-so or whatever it might be. In those moments when faced with something's now going to be different, the reaction sometimes feels like, "Uh uh-oh, yeah, what's happening? Yeah. And and what's so fascinating is sometimes that change didn't just occur overnight. The decision wasn't necessarily made overnight. The decision has been, you know, kind of coming along and you're told, right, ahead of time, but, you know, not with as much time as has been um, discussed within the realm of leadership. And so when you're faced with change, there's a certain feeling that you have. There's also the the person who's initiating the change and what they're going through mm-hmm. in communicating that yes. change. So on both parts, it can feel difficult. Sure. Yeah. And you said, um, you used the word when we're told about the change. Mm-hmm. And I think therein lies some of the challenge for us is, you know, uh, we our brains don't like to be told things. We like to be involved in things. And that's not always possible. But so let's break that down. And, you know, and so maybe it would be helpful to start with a story, as we Mm -hmm. like to do. So I was remembering earlier today a time that happened to me, and I hate to say it was not that long ago, like literally I think it was this summer, when I had a huge, not very good reaction to change that really surprised me and took me a while to... um, to move myself through. So what happened was I'm involved in leading our youth group at my church. And um, over maybe three or four years, we had developed a nice little, a nice group, you know, a lot of fellowship among the kids and had a good size, very manageable 20 kids. Um, they would, you know, come running up the steps every week, every couple of weeks, we met every two weeks and they were excited to be there. And the change was that we were going to restructure the whole program and move, switch the night we met on, um, rather than meeting on a weekend, it was moving to midweek. We were meeting now every week instead of twice a month. And we were also being rolled into like this bigger education program at the church. So, which honestly, it really makes sense <laughs> from a structural standpoint and a moving forward into the future standpoint. But in that moment, as I'm learning of this change decision, the feeling in my body was fear, like, ah, no, you know, um, and I, you know, I know what it was. It was my amygdala reacting and saying, threat, threat, something that you love is about to change. 
not go away, not, you know, turn into something terrible, but the but just the fact that something you love is about to change is enough in our brains to make, you know, our brains don't, our brains do not want to have to figure out something new and create a whole new set of neural connections of how's this new thing going to work? It's, this is the way I, I know, this is the way I like to do it. It's very comfortable. I'm always like to remind myself that our brains, as amazing as they are, it's a computer. You know, it's programmed this way and it loves, it works well this way. It doesn't mean it can't be reprogrammed, but that process um, sometimes begins with a, <gasps> no. Right, resistance. So, yes, yeah, so I felt a lot of resistance. Um, and I don't think that's uncommon when we are learning about something that's going to be different. I think the resistance is a pretty typical first reaction. It may look and feel different for each one of us, but there's typically resistance there. And so I guess for our conversation here today, it's just good to name that, but also, so we're talking about from the person being in the change, you know, I'm the one receiving that change, Mm -hmm. how I feel resistant, but then that person who communicated the change, what were they feeling? Right. What was that experience? Because honestly, when you walk in a room and you're about to tell someone that this thing's going to look really different and we need you now to do it this way and get on board with this and that, they're not you know, that's creating a set of stuff going on in their brain too, right? Right. You know, I think people that are listening could really relate from one aspect of this or the other, right? The the person who's initiating the change has to muster up the courage and the spin and the way that they're going to share the change. How do I get the most people on board? And then the person, the people who are going to be experiencing the day-to-day change when they first hear it, obviously, like you said, the part of their brain that is in fight or flight is going to start to react. And very often, uh, the, the time that it actually takes and the way that it, the change actually adapts can be very disruptive and feel yeah. very chaotic. And so today, I think we wanted to explain really what's going on, because I, I know from working with several of my clients, they want to know here's the change, right? I'm presenting this change. I'm doing the best I can to talk about it in the best way possible. And I'm frustrated that they just won't do it. Mm -hmm. They just don't adapt. There's there's so much resistance. And now there's resistance on the part of the leader. Yeah. Right. So I know it's very, very helpful to understand why. Right. You know, why is there such a resistance? And as you mentioned, the brain is programmed. There are neural networks that don't even have to think about logging into your computer and just how things are entered and how the program works and so on. When you introduce this change, things are going to be different. The person receiving the change or the one who's going to have to implement the change may feel nervous about, you know, am I going to be able to learn this? Is this going to make my job more difficult? Is this really in my best interest? And a whole litany of vulnerabilities, you know, could pop up. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important for us all to recognize that behind the resistance we see and feel, behind the frustration that we're experiencing, there is that vulnerability, that need to be vulnerable, which raises fear a lot of times for us. You know, it's scary to wonder. It's scary to go from being, you know, feeling very confident in my, that I'm the expert on this and I know what to do and I do it well to wondering, oh my gosh, you know, how is this going to change what I do every day? Right. Like you said, we, we want to share a model today that 
lets us all know what's happening behind the scenes within the brain whenever there is some change present. Yeah, so talk about the neuroscience of it. Yeah, and just before you say that, I just want to acknowledge that there's fear on both sides. Oh, sure. The one initiating the change is feeling some fear about whether or not it'll be smooth transition, Mm -hmm. whether or not the changes will be adapted, um, adopted. And then there's the fear that the person who's going to have to actually do the change. Um, Yeah. So So let's talk about why does that fear, you know, where does it come from? What's happening within? And then in our next episode, we're going to talk about, okay, great. So now we understand how it got here. Well, what do we do about it? And so we'll look at some ways to be with change that will help us all navigate through it more gracefully. Mm -hmm. So the model we want to talk about today comes from Dr. David Rock of the Neuroleadership Institute, and the model is an acronym called SCARF, S-C-A-R-F, the thing you wear around your neck. What those five letters in SCARF represent, each represents a different domain uh, in the different domain, a different area where it's very highly likely that in a change process, we are going to feel threatened in one of these areas. And those areas, I'll name them first, and then we can just say a little bit about each one. Um, Those areas are status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. So S-C-A-R-F. Of course, this will all be in the show notes. So S-C-A-R-F, think about that. When I am presented with a change, my, my status, I wonder, whoa, wait, whoa. I used to know what I'm doing here. I'm wondering how my status is going to be impacted. What does this mean now? Am I I still going to be the expert? Yeah. Um, And certainly in extreme cases, you know, reorganizations and mergers and things like that, my status as like literally the role I play in the company is that changing in my reporting to somebody new. You know, so there's a lot that can happen in that domain of status. And so what we're talking about here, these are areas that are triggered or can be triggered when we are presented with a change. And that trigger feels like threat. Like in my story, when I said my reaction was, oh, no, whoa, what's happening here? That's my brain's way of saying, "Mm, stop, threat, what's going on? So status, certainty. Yeah, certainty. Like, wow, I used to know how things got done around here. And now I'm not sure. A lot is uncertain. I mean, obviously, that's the nature of change. There's Mm -hmm. uncertainty with it. Mm -hmm. So my sense of certainty has been threatened. My sense of autonomy may be threatened. And my sense of relatedness. Well, autonomy, right? Autonomy, like, I used to be able to do this by myself. Right. I didn't, there was no one managing this effort for me. And maybe with this particular change, there is a different reporting structure. Or I'm now going to have to be working with somebody else when I was working on my own. And learning or something changing, new. Right, yeah. learning something new or changing teams. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that drives right in with relatedness, mm-hmm. with, you know, how am I, who am I in relationship with around this? You know, we need that sense of relatedness is so important because we are um, beings of, you know, community. We thrive yeah. in, everything we do is in relationship, mm-hmm. right? So when now I'm not sure what my old relationships are going to look like, what new relationships may be forming, my sense of relatedness, just, you know, there's a little, there's a question mark there. I remember a time when um, there was a restructuring in one of my, the companies I was working with, and the person who was experiencing the brunt of this change used to have an unbelievable relationship with the CEO. And as a result of this reporting structure shift, she was really worried. Mm-hmm. What will my relationship be now? 
You know, will it right. be threatened? Right. It feels like it will be. Yeah. You know, will we still be buddies? Will I still be able to, you know, use the mentor, you know, the guidance and the mentoring from this person? Will I still mm-hmm. have access to this person? So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so again, when we're we're sitting at a table talking to people about what's coming up and we're just sensing, you know, arms crossed, resistances mm-hmm. or confused looks on people's faces and we're going, you know, we're starting to wonder to ourselves, we're starting to feel the same way, a little frustrated and what are they, you know, what are they thinking? They're not getting on board. This is this is some of the reasons why, you know, there's a lot of questions that get raised for us. And so then the last part of the SCARF model is the letter F, which is fairness, my sense of fairness. So, you know, wondering how how is this going to play out? Am I going to have more work to do? Mm-hmm. How are responsibilities shifting? Will it be fair? So these are areas where, do you want to say anything else about fairness? Well, I just think in terms of fairness, it was a different client, but um, a person was moved into a different position and quote unquote passed over for a promotion. Right. And so, you know, his sense of fairness was really threatened. He thought he was really qualified mm-hmm. and a, a shoe in mm-hmm. for this for that other role. Mm-hmm. So fairness was threatened. And I also think that um, this SCARF model, you know, we're talking about it in acronyms, right? Any one of those things oh, yeah. alone would be enough to get that part of your brain, the amygdala, into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. But so often, all five of those are triggered at the yes. same time. Yes. And so it's very helpful for you as an individual to know what's going on for you. Mm-hmm. And also for the person, maybe the leader in your company or um, the person initiating the change to understand what's happening for the person that you're communicating this change to. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I think, so essential for, for all of us to know about and to understand, even in our homes, right? You know, whether we're talking about change in the workplace or something happening at home. Right. And, you know, even if there's nothing in particular that we know of that's happening at home, like I'm thinking, for example, one year at home, um, it was coming to the end of the school year and my kids were much littler back then. Adam, my son, I can't remember what grade he was. He was kind of little. But here it's summer vacation is upon us. And all of a sudden his behavior like tanked. And, you know, I just remember being so far like he was just acting out every and it took me a, a few days to realize Oh, his whole world is about to change, even though this is a good change. We're going into summer vacation. The structure that he had to his life over the past nine or 10 months or whatever was now going away, right? So his sense of certainty was probably threatened. Status, like knowing what I do every day, I get up, I have my routine, I go to school, I'm a student, this is my teacher. You know, he's a kid that really thrives on structure. So that, so even moving into summer vacation triggered his brain in a way Mm. that felt like threat. Mm. And so, you know, in that situation and in all situations that we've been alluding to and talking about here, it's helpful to know this as the leader, because then we can name what's going, what we think we're seeing, name it, talk about it. It creates a lot of space for conversation you know? Yeah, there's one, speaking of conversation, there's one other thing to add. A lot of times this model comes into play even before change has been spoken. Like if we're in a, a, a meeting and we're talking about strategy and somebody mentions something, that could trigger mm. any one of those aspects so that now someone feels, oh boy, I better armor up. 
I better be the smartest person in the room. So you don't, you know, even before change has even been agreed upon or discussed or anything, it could just, that kind of scarf model (laughs) can be used to help people understand behavior in meetings. Oh, you know, um, or, you know, brainstorming Mm -hmm. sessions or friendships, you know, like it's those. So it's not only about change. It's about perceived threat and it's about possible um, interruption. Yeah. 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 Because our brains are constantly scanning everything happening around me, what I'm hearing and who I'm talking to, but just everything, you know, Mm -hmm. picking up a shift in the temperature in the room or I'm feeling a little hungry now or whatever it is. And constantly putting, you know, I'm probably oversimplifying this a little bit, but putting things in one of two buckets. Does this feel like threat or does this feel like reward? And if my threat, when my threat mechanism is triggered, even if it's just, you know, not a very high intensity, it triggers that threat mechanism just a little bit. Yeah. My brain starts to go on a little more alert, you know, so that fight or flight mechanism can be triggered at many different intensity levels. Right. So it's not always all out, like, I'm resisting you now, and now we're fight in fight mode. Mm-hmm. But it just may be that you notice, like Jackie said, you notice in the room, somebody starts to look a little on guard, a little defensive, mm-hmm. and we're not really sure why. Right. You know, or, you know, a parent comes home with news that they're having another baby or a parent comes home (laughs) with news that they're going, you know, they're going to be starting a new job, Mm. you know. Or a kid is Can going to a new that? camp. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny because yeah. I'm laughing. So when we had our surprise baby a couple years ago, and I remember the moment when we told the kids, and they were like 11 and 13 at the time and did not ever think their family structure was changing. And we were really sitting on the couch, all four of us, Mark and I and, the, and Abigail and Adam, and we were, Mark and I were like... So, guys, guess who's having a baby? And, of course, they guess, like, all the logical guesses, not their, you know, 45-year-old mother, but, uh, you know, our niece had just gotten married or whatever, and we were like, no, we are. And it was so funny, the reaction. Literally, Abigail took the blanket up over her head because that's her. She hides. She's the flight. She's always my flighter. And Adam's my fighter. He just, like, burst out into tears. Like, all his emotion just came out. So it's so funny. The one hides and the one just is like, so we look more kind of like, we're like, well, that went well. (laughs) They're hiding and bawling. So sometimes it's so visible. Yes. And other times we don't know that someone's feeling really triggered because they're hiding it from us. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think the point of this part of the conversation around change is just a, an awareness yes. of what's going on behind the scenes. You know, that it's not that you, Jackie, are just being difficult because you don't want to deal with Susan instead of Joe or whatever it is. Right. You know, it, Or to learn so, something new. It's, that's right. So it really, I think, it's a call to us to depersonalize the way we can get personal mm-hmm. during change and feel frustrated with someone or feel almost like against each other. You know, we always you hear the term us and them so often referred to in the business world. We have an us and them mentality. We're, you know, we can't fight against each other. So I think this is a really important model for helping us to depersonalize and just realize, you know what? We're all human beings. Understand. Empathize. Absolutely. And like the word that you used before was awareness. And until we recognize or become aware, it's very hard to change. And so it's our hope that sharing this model with you will um, help you understand how you're reacting to change at times how you know where your frustration is coming in and when you're 
dealing with other people where theirs is coming in as well. Yes. You know, you may be listening to this through iTunes or wherever. Go to one of our websites because we always put on there in the show notes links to resources. And so we will have a video of Dr. David Rock, who I mentioned earlier, explaining this scarf model in an eight-minute YouTube video that's very, you know, explains it really well. So go there and look at the resources that are posted and please make use of them. And then stay tuned for our next episode because it's great to understand what's going on, but what the heck do I do about That's it? Right. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, so we look forward to next time when we share with you um, how to navigate you know, through, through that physiology and the psychology of change so that it, be, can, it can be smoother and graceful. Um, more graceful mm-hmm. in its transition. Yeah, Love it. All right, Dave. Yeah. We're so glad that you were here with us today, listening to Rethinking Leadership, serving fresh ideas over coffee. You can connect with Jackie Lesser on JackieLesser.com, and you can connect with me, Dee Yarrison, at EssentialShiftNow.com, and we'll see you next time.